I'm going to share the word a little bit uh, this morning, and then we're going to transition to a testimony time. So the Bible says that they overcame him, meaning the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, meaning what Jesus was doing in their lives. You know, in life, there are different times when memories from the past come into our mind. And uh, I had one of those this week. I remember when I was about seven or eight years old and we were in the basement of our home and I have an older brother, Mark, and uh, I think we were playing cards or some kind of a, uh, a table game or something and, and we had finished up and it was at nighttime and he walked uh, uh, out and he turned the light off and so I couldn't see and so I said, hey, turn the light on and uh, you know how siblings can communicate to one another. And he was sitting over there laughing. And the, the calm, quiet personality that I am, I said, turn the light on. And he sits over there and he's just giggling. He's the older brother, just kind of inciting the little brother. And, but then he knew me. And then I said, turn the light on. Because he turned that light on. One way or other, I was coming after him with everything that I've got. He would have beat me to a pulp, but he would have got hit three million times. I would have kicked him a million and probably bit him. Okay. <laughs> and so that little uh, illustration popped to my mind this week, and I've entitled the message, Turn the Light On. Let's pray. Our Father and our wonderful God, we're living uh, in this day and age of human history for a divine an eternal purpose. You have a plan for us to be here today, to be in this city, to be in this church, to be in this community, to make a difference for you. And so, Lord, I just pray you'd teach us out of your good and glorious word this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever tripped or stumbled in the darkness? Definitely on more than one occasion I have stubbed my toe. I have bruised my shin or I have scraped my leg through getting up in the middle of the night to either use the restroom or get a glass of water, and uh, I did not have the light on. Anybody in here like me? <laughs> a few of you? The beauty of the light is that it illuminates the surroundings so you can see. How many of you are appreciative and thankful for electricity? Yeah, <laughs> Louie makes a living by it. Yeah, absolutely. Where would you be today, bro, if it wasn't for electricity? In the dark. Yeah, I like that. Good comment. That's a good comment. I think we all can and should be a little more grateful for many of the amenities that we have in our current age and, and uh, in the Western civilization. But could you imagine if you had to live life without electricity? Or you had to live life in the darkness. The supernatural battle is between light and darkness. The way to overcome darkness is to shine the light. The truth be told, you and I right now are living in a cosmic spiritual conflict and battle between God who represents light and the enemy who represents darkness. We as Christians are called and empowered with God's light to let it shine so that it conquers the effect and the impact of darkness. 
And we're going to see that today in the Word of God. If you have your Bible, if you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We have got about another month and a half in Ephesians. Today we're going to look at verses 8 through 14. And the Apostle Paul is going to basically tell us as Christians and as the church, turn the light on. Paul, Ephesians 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things are exposed and are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Again, anytime we have a chance to hear and, and uh, meditate and be challenged by the Word of God, all I can encourage you to pray is, Lord, teach me today what you want me to know. Help me to see and hear what you want me to know. It's not what I say. It's what the Holy Spirit will say to you today through the Word, through what I say. So I just invite you to be open. There's five things real quick I'd like to share with you. Number one, remember who you were. Remember who you were. If you look at there in verse 8. For you were once darkness. For those of us who have received Christ many years ago and walked in the faith for many years, sometimes it's hard for us to fully remember the condition or the position or the reality of our life when we were lost, when we were without Christ, when we were captured by darkness. Before I gave my heart to Christ, I was a prisoner of sin and sorrow and shame. And this week I had to think back to those times, especially in those early teenage years. And when I was, I told you, I was uh, caught in drinking, drug, sex, rock and roll. And I was desperate and angry and bitter and drug dependent. And I had to consider that this week and thought, oh, gosh, those were, those were horrible days getting up every day and dealing with anger and bitterness and resentment and questions about God and questions about life and questions about other people and questions about myself and feeling captivated by sin and feeling full of sorrow and, and shame. The Bible says you were once darkness. Periodically, we need to try to go back and remember who we were and how we thought and how we lived before we came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's important for us to remember so that we can kind of nurture up that gratitude and that thanksgiving, thanksgiving again and challenge, challenge us to remember that we have a responsibility to turn the light on. And to shine His light. So remember who you were. Number two, concentrate on who you are. Remember who you were, but concentrate on who you are. The Bible says, but now you are light in the Lord. 
so that we don't get discouraged or detoured or distracted by remembering who we were. We need to concentrate and focus on who we are, who Jesus has made us to be. We are light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. If you're a Christian, he didn't give it to anybody else. He didn't give it to the political arena. He didn't give it to media. He didn't give it to business. He gave it to Christians. He gave it to the church. He says, you are the light. You are the source and the power of God's light in our world today. There is no alternative. You are it. Being light is not something we do. It's who we are. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. We are the ones who are called to illuminate his truth in a darkened culture, in a darkened world. There are so many people that you and I come across every day who are captured and still prisoners of darkness, of sin and shame. And the point being is we live in a really sensitive culture. and You know, I a, a, tend to be a sensitive person. I don't want anybody to, to hurt, and I want everybody to be happy, and I want everybody to kind of get along. But you know what? Sometimes in my sensitivity, I've shut down being the light. They're in darkness. I'm the light, and I put a bushel over myself. The Bible says if you're the light, don't put a bushel over you. Shine! That's what you're called to do. It's what you're called to be. So in the verse, I think Paul, uh, Paul says, not only remember who you were, but concentrate on who you are. If you're a Christian, you are the light of this world. You are called to illuminate his truth. You are to dispel the darkness that the enemy wants to inflict on people, on marriages, on family, on our culture. We are the light of the world. Three, turn the light on. Turn the light on. You see there the encouragement of Paul in in, uh, chapter uh, 5, verse 8b. Walk as children of light. He's basically saying, let your life be controlled and dominated by the reality that you are the light of the world. Every day, every situation, every opportunity, every responsibility, every relationship, every conflict, be the light of the world. There should never be a time that we're not thinking, I'm the light, turn on the light, shine his light. And we have opportunities every day. If we're married with our husband, wife, with children, out in our world, in our workplaces, in recreation, when that person cuts in front of you, when you're late, they pull right in front of you, and then they let you know that they have certain fingers on their hands. Be the light. We need to be able to eliminate every and all excuse why we're not shining His light in a darkened culture, in a darkened world. No excuses. Come on, Christian. Come on, church. That's what we're called to do. It's what we're called to be. Let's do it. Let's be that light of the world. Turn the light on. Number four, the spirit, the Christian's light switch. It goes on to verse nine. For the fruit of the spirit 
It tells us how to do that. How many of you want, when you want to tap into electricity and have the light bulb turn on, you turn on the light switch? Thank you. You don't just wish it. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Just by the power of my mind, I hope electricity will go through that circuit to the light and it'll turn on. No. You go to the wall and you turn on the light switch. It was the light switch that was created to tap into the electricity, to the power to light the light bulb. How do you and how do I as Christians connect to the light? It's through the Holy Spirit. Everybody's looking at me like, I still don't get it. I want to encourage you. It's so absolutely imperative and priority that you have a genuine, authentic, obedient walk in relationship with God the Holy Spirit. If there's ever a time that Christians in the church need a revival of the power of God and the Holy Spirit, it's today. Because darkness permeates so much. Oh, now you're being negative. Do you know we've got two worldviews that are clashing today in our world, but in America? Did you know that? If you don't believe me, just watch the political system. And I'm not trying to stand on either side. But one side says, you know what? Somehow we're moving away from many of the things that made us great. Right? And things are eroding and maybe we're imploding and darkness is, is seemingly invading and the other side no we're evolving we're progressing things are going to get better things are getting better don't listen to that other side and don't look at statistics and facts sorry did i just hit somebody okay be mad at me it's all right don't miss the point i don't think things are getting brighter in our world I don't think things are getting better in our world. I think we're facing a crisis between light and dark. And the only way I know, according to reading the Bible, is we need to turn the light switch on. That means we need to have that viable relationship with the Holy Spirit. That He tells us what to do or what not to do. He sends us forth or He checks us to hold back. But you know what? It can't just be one of us at the church. It's got to be us as a church saying, Holy Spirit, turn on the light. Help me get energized. Help me get fired up. Help me get passionate again. Help me to change the world. I want to encourage you, and I've gone to preach, and I've got to stop. If you don't have a life purpose or mission statement, create one. Why are you here? What does God want you to do? And I'm not saying I've got it right, but many years ago, my life purpose statement is to honor God and to love and serve people. So all through my day, my purpose statement, I I bet I think of it 50 times in every situation. Jeff, honor God, love and serve people. Honor God, love and serve people. It's because that's what the Holy Spirit is asking me to do. That's how I turn on the light. I know what He wants me to do. What does He want you to do? What does He want us to do? We need to discover that together. But as we tap into the power of the Holy Spirit, we should be the light of the world and make a difference. 
So the final point today is it's time to wake up. Do you see it there in verse 14? So he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead or the old carnal nature and Christ will shine on you. How many of you have ever been woken up out of a deep sleep because somebody turned the light on? I told you, if I heard this story, my dad did not believe in sleeping in. Now, I was a kid. I had to go to school for a few hours. <laughs> I had to try to learn something. That's exhausting. <laughs> it's Saturday morning. Every good kid should be able to sleep into at least 1130. My dad did not believe that. 630, the light was turned on. It's time to get up. Our world, so many Christians, even the church, are we asleep? In regard to the, the mission and the passion and the responsibility we have to be lights in the world that advance the cause of Christ in a darkened world, the light needs to be turned on. I know in my own life I need to be shaken out of the compromise and the complacency, complacency of this Western culture that wants me just to lay in bed where it's warm and nice and put the covers over my... I do not want to get up and work and sacrifice and make a challenge. But it's time to wake up. There are countless people who are imprisoned in darkness that are around us every day. You and I deal with it every day. Let's not be asleep at such a crucial time in human history. And I'll leave you with this and we'll transition. This is a poem. It's called My Friend. And every time I hear it, every time I read about it, it just finally wakens. Sometimes we just need something to wake us up, to challenge us. My friend, I stand in judgment now and feel that you're to blame somehow. While on this earth, I walked with you day by day and never did you point me the way. You knew the Lord in truth and glory, but never did you tell me the story. My knowledge then was very dim and you could have led me safely to him. Though we lived together here on earth, you never told me of your second birth. And now I stand this day condemned because you failed to mention him. You taught me many things, that's true. I called you friend and I trusted you. But now I learned, now it's too late. You could have kept me from this fate. We walked by day and talked by night, and yet you showed me not the light. You let me live, love, and die, and all the while you knew I'd never live on high. Yes, I called you friend in life and trusted you in joy and strife. Yet in coming to this my end, I see you really weren't my friend. You know, we don't like conviction. We don't want to, oh, I felt condemning. 
How challenging is that? They were in darkness. I was called to be the light. And I didn't shine. I didn't turn the light on. Precious friends. Love intended. Grace underpinning everything. It's time to turn on the light. Let's pray. Father, thank you for both the encouragement and the challenge of your word. I pray that, Lord, each of us in here today will shine your glorious light. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, first of all, what I'm about to share with you, uh, I take no glory. give all the glory to God because uh, without him, I'm nothing. Um, those of you who have known, uh, and I've got permission from our president to be able to share this with you. This is kind of a ministry business that we do. Um, years ago, uh, those of you who've been around know that we did not start out to be the Eternal Brothers. We actually started out to be a ministry called the Diakonos. Uh, the way this transpired is, long story short, uh, you get involved into a world, it's a club world that involves uh, a lot of the gang members, the motorcycle mem- club mentality. Um, the guy that actually started it out didn't do it according to their plan and what they thought was right. Um, a few years back, quite a few years back, actually, we were actually meeting. We, we do a Thursday night Bible study and a meeting. Uh, before we had an opportunity to uh, start our Bible study, we heard the roar of about 25 motorcycles that showed up in our ministry building. Um, it was a particular group that did not like the patch that we were wearing came in at gunpoint and threatened us. They told us the next time they see any of us riding with that patch on our back that they would shoot, and that would be the end of it, that uh, they didn't want us to wear that patch. So um, we started praying about it and asked God if we actually wanted to continue on with what he did and what he wanted us to do, and obviously because of you being up here today, you know the answer to that. Uh, We took the patches off. We rode for over two years without any patches to serve the Lord because he is that gracious and we loved him that much. Um, A few weeks back, well, actually it was like last month, um, I got, we've just been praying for this group and trying to figure out uh, where they're at. Uh, A couple of years ago, I actually ran into their president without realizing he was standing behind me. Those of you who know me, I don't wear that patch on my back. Um, I live by Romans 12:2 that says, "Do not conform to this world." And I'm the only member in our in our ministry that does not wear a back patch, and that's why. Um, he tapped me on the shoulder and said, uh, "He said, you know, we uh, give you guys permission to wear a back patch." And I turned around and I looked at him, and uh, he just he was the president of Northern Colorado of this particular group, and I just shared with him that it was not about him. No disrespect that uh, my God is a greater God, and when he calls me to wear this patch, that I would gladly and honorably put it on my back. And until then, it didn't matter what anybody else of this world said, that I wouldn't do it until he told me it was okay. Um, last month, um, we kind of you know been involved in the world and just serving the Lord like he had, and he graciously enough allowed us to do something that was just phenomenal. Um, we got this phone call from a gentleman from Grand Junction uh, that he asked to be baptized, 
And uh, at that point, we told him yes. And he said, well, you need to understand this. is I know it's Saturday morning, but I need to be baptized this afternoon. It's that important to me. The gentleman drove down from Grand Junction. Um, he had his family there. Lo and behold, Saturday afternoon, we found out he was actually a member of this same motorcycle group that came in and held us at gunpoint. We had the opportunity to uh, baptize him in front of his family, not only baptize him, but we actually had the opportunity to baptize his son as well. Um, what a good God we serve. Thank you. A word from the Lord uh, for this congregation, myself included. This is for prayer warriors. In order to be an effective prayer warrior, you must have a hunger and thirst for righteousness. You must be saturated with my word. You must hide my word in your heart. You must pray my word. You must be continually cleansed and filled, not with food, but with my Holy Spirit. You must thrust my word at the enemy with your double-edged sword, for the battle is fierce. You must be adept at handling your sword. What a privilege it is to see God at work in answering our prayers. The word, my heart rejoices at your word like one who finds great spoil. My heart convicts, corrects, cleanses, confirms, equips. My heart discovered sin and, and convicts us of it. My word helps cleanse, your word helps cleanse, my word helps cleanse us from the pollution of sin. My word imparts strength. My word instructs us in what we are to do. My word provides us with a sword for victory over sin. My word makes our lives fruitful. My word gives you power to pray. May those who fear you rejoice when they see me, for I have put my hope in your word. My sword is flawless. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. My word ju judges the thoughts. Sorry, not standing up too straight here. My word is a means of knowing me and doing my will. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of faith. I have given you my word in order that you might do my will here on earth. Amen and amen. Amen. Good. I'm Bill Young. Some of you may not know me. Uh, go to the Bible study with the men. And so I shared with them several months ago, or several weeks ago, one of our granddaughters had a horrific automobile accident. She was T-boned going through an intersection, rolled the car twice. She was knocked out, rolled into a ball in the passenger's footwell. The officer said he didn't know how she even managed to live through it, let alone that evening discharged from the hospital with a minor concussion. And the Lord brought to our attention that 
we've been praying over our children and grandchildren because those are people that we can really influence. I might be able to influence you a little bit this morning with this testimony, but your family is yours. You set the example. You stand before them. God has moved you. So my wife and I have come from a long line of prayer warriors, and we started praying Ephesians, the whole armor of God. And we do that, I shouldn't say religiously, but most of the time, at least Judy does, but when it comes to my attention that I've missed that. And it doesn't matter whether you do it in the morning, the evening, at noon. Just do it. Well, I'm here to report that when this granddaughter and her husband got married, they asked me to ask a blessing over them. And that was the blessing, the whole armor of God. And she was protected. So I'm going to back up what Lois said and what Jeff said. Pray. Do it. Do it with enthusiasm and intensity. God wants us to talk to him. Pray his word, as Lois said. It's very effective. Thank you. Thank you. Your timing's perfect. Hi, I'm, I'm Linda Keaton, and most of you probably know I have a connection with the 101st Airborne. I have met with lots of the guys, and some of them are still very bitter, very angry. Well, this spring, I was fortunate enough to go to Vietnam with a group of Vietnam veterans. And all I can say is, if you ever want to experience truly what forgiveness is, that's what you should do. The veterans were concerned about the people in Vietnam. They weren't angry. They weren't out for blood. They wanted to see that they prospered and were happy. And the Vietnamese embraced us like long-lost brothers. And I could go on forever, but the one thing that I remember is our guides were also the guides who went back to find the missing in action. And one of them told this story. He said, when we were out looking for evidence, we were called to this little old lady's hut. And she said, there was a terrible battle in our yard. My uncle was killed. Our house was destroyed. But, oh, I've hung on to these dog tags ever since because we're the only ones who know where this man died and we knew somebody would come now we were enemies they forgave us they embraced us their kindness is overpowering so it does even move nations God can move a whole nation
go a little higher on that one. Um, I'm Justin Blobaum. Um Talk about prayer and how God is amazing. Uh, I've been on nights for four and a half years, working 65 hours a week. And uh, last Monday, I came to day shift, losing overtime and 15% of my income. And when you have bills to pay, you kind of wonder how you're going to pay them. So I was thinking about moving out of state to afford things. And I Sunday night, I just prayed and says, you know, it's all in your hands. And when I opened up my Bible, the first page, it says, Do not be afraid, do not be intimidated, for I am your God. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I broke down in tears. And Friday, uh, we haven't been able to do overtime at all for the last, I don't know, while. And my manager came up to me and says, we can do overtime since you guys are getting a lot more work. Do as much overtime as you need to get the job done. And my heart just felt at peace. And when money isn't everything, but when you have bills to pay, it does kind of (laughs) matter. And it, it kind of set me back that, you know, that God is in control and that, you know, it is not, if you just give it to him, he'll take care of it. And as a guy, I don't like really, I want to be in control, you know, and that was the hardest part to do was letting go and letting God take care of it. You know, they say God is good all the time. And it was the hardest thing but when my manager came up I felt peace I haven't felt that kind of peace in a very long time so prayer is the key and reading your bible does help so thank you my name is Lou Mercurio Um, actually something that that come to mind to me when Bill was speaking a number of years ago, I had started asking the Lord to give me the strength to be bold, to be bold in Him, and to share His Word and things. Um, I had an opportunity where I had a mechanic that uh, was a member of a motorcycle gang. I don't have a motorcycle. I had horses. Um <laughs> Anyway, I'd be over at his shop a lot of times, and there'd be a number of guys from these different motorcycle gang coming around, and I kind of stuck out like the store of thumb. And uh, this one particular Saturday morning, he lived, Doug lived right across the street from the Overland Foods grocery store. And I was at his shop. I had remembered I had a chain that I had borrowed from him, and I stopped to drop it off. And it was about 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning, and person pulled in and parked and chatted for a minute and walked away. That happened repeatedly about four or five times. Finally, I looked around. I said, Doug, where the heck are all these people going? He said, they're going to church. I said, church, I don't get it. Church was the bar next door. (laughs) They would park at Doug's house. 
That way the cops didn't know they were at the bar. He says to me, hey, what do you think? Let's go have a beer. I thought, all right. So I kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. I'm the only one in there, not in black leathers. I had my cowboy hat, cowboy boots, and a vest on. And I'm standing there, and a woman walked by. And as she walked by, she said out loud, Oh, Lord, I need somebody to pray for me. I guess this is kind of the testimonial for the Lord. And, and to say to you, when, when, he, when he puts something on your heart, mm-hmm. follow it, okay? He, he told me, he said, Lou, go pray for this woman. I was like, oh, you've got to be nuts. He said, go do it. So I walked up to this woman, and I said, I heard what you said when you walked by. And uh, I said, I'm here to pray for you. We went outside the back of the bar where the horseshoe pits are. She shared what was going on. We had our prayer. Went back inside, and a couple minutes later, this big guy, I mean, it doesn't take much to be much bigger than me. This guy looked like a mountain. He come walking up to me in a real deep voice and said, Hey, you the dude that was just playing, praying for my old lady? <laughs> Reluctantly, I said, Yeah. Well, Lo and behold, next thing you know, I wind up in the middle between these two pool tables with all these bikers around, and we had church. Mm -hmm. Okay? Um, So I guess my point is is that was a a real eye-opener for me, and it was a starting point of being able to be bold enough to pray on job sites and wherever, wherever and whenever the Lord puts it on my heart. And so... I guess the point I'm trying to make is when God puts it on your heart, and you'll know, and and I know a number of you in here have had those moments, and I'm guilty too. There's been times I've walked away from it. But if you'll honor it, it, it's just an amazing thing. I have no idea where it went with these people, okay? But God, God gave me that opportunity that day to share him and his glories in a situation that I sure would have never expected in a bar room. In that move. Good. Dylan and the band. I wish you all know that I'm Jim Keaton, but it's going to be hard to, uh, to uh, you know, actually top my wife's testimony, but it goes to show you how the grace of God and how it can change a country and people. And by the way, there's a lot of churches coming up in Vietnam, but just... A quick one, a little bit about my own health. You know, in 2013, there's so many of us Vietnam veterans that were affected by Agent Orange. I was diagnosed with, uh, you know, prostate cancer. And they said, oh, this is, you know, with no symptoms, this you've got stage three or four. And you're toast, buddy. you got a, maybe a year or two, and you're a goner. And I said, well, I don't, you know, I don't know if I believe it, but I don't think I believe that. So, you know, I gave it to God. And we went to Atlanta for treatment and all kinds of different things to Mayo Clinic. And, you know, just the grace of God and and prayers can save your life. And I tell you, I'm good. I'm clear. I hardly have any cancer now. I don't know what's going on. But, hey, and and that generally doesn't work with prostate cancer. But Jeff's prayed for me. The whole church has. And it's just been an amazing ride. And I'm doing good. And I'm I'm still, still trucking. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to just invite you to be seated as our closing. Uh, Dylan and the band just want to sing a song over us. Uh, Remember the scripture was, Awake, O sleeper, 
<laughs> rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. The songs, I mean, the words will be up on the screen. But the, the band just wants to sing over you the grace and the blessings of God through the song. So just enjoy the closing as they sing over you. God bless you. Yeah. 
why Jesus said to you and to me, you are the light of the world. You were the light in a very dark place at that particular time. So as the Lord would lead, I just want to encourage you. Let's turn the light on. Let's shine brightly for the King of glory. Amen. Hey, as you go, go in his love, go in his grace, go in his peace. Make sure you tell Roger Sample happy birthday. It's his 42nd birthday today. And so just make sure he feels welcome. God bless you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you. 